blessing upon the reading of the word and the message this day. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Been out of the saddle too long. I've been doing this for a long time, since 1985, and I take almost three weeks off. And it's been a rough morning for me, so you just stay with me and hang in there. We'll get through it together. It is time to get up. When I was a kid, I had to share a bedroom with my brother Danny. He was the oldest brother of four. There were five children. My sister, of course, got her own bedroom, but the boys had to share bedrooms. And Danny had to go to school before me because there was such an age difference between us. He went earlier because he was at the high school and junior high when I was at elementary school. But in all cases, he usually ended up having to leave 40 minutes to even an hour and a half earlier than I did. And when he would get up, I would slumber and put the pillow over my head and pull the blankets up and try to get a few more winks in. But you know, doggone it, he would slam and shut every door and closet drawer and everything that he could do to make noise in order to be sure that I didn't get more sleep than he did. And what really would burn me up is sometimes he would come into the room just before he left and he would shake the bed and pull the covers and shake everything up and tell me, it's time to get up, it's time to get up, you got to go to school, you got to get going. I wasn't a Christian, Lance. Sometimes I would come up out of the bed doing very unsanctified things. <laughs> I wonder if you can understand what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples in this story. Think about it for a minute. Two people that Jesus loved, three people that Jesus loved, Mary, her sister Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And if you listen to the story, and I know it's hard to listen to 45 verses, this is one of those passages in the Bible that, that you just want to preach on so much, but it's so long you're not sure people's attention can hold it these days. But if you listened real close, you saw there that, that Jesus is somewhere else with his disciples when the word comes that Lazarus is sick. And if you listen to the passage, Jesus actually says, let's stay here a couple more days. We're not going to go. We're going to stay right here. And he does exactly that. And eventually, he, he knows because he's Jesus, he's God. He knows that, that Lazarus is dead. And he says to his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples will probably say, man, we're, we're glad to hear that. You know, he'll sleep, he'll rest, he'll get better, get his strength back, everything will be good. And Jesus says, no. I'm not talking about that kind of sleep. I'm telling you that Lazarus is dead. Then he says something really strange. He says, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. Now let's go to him. Before I move from this verse that I've got up on the screen if you're looking at it, the key word in that verse and the key word in this passage today is the word believe. It has to do with faith. Jesus says, I'm glad that I wasn't there, because if I was there, maybe you wouldn't believe. But because I wasn't there, it may help you to come to a better place of faith. So Thomas, we 
remember he's called Doubting Thomas. This guy is following, right? So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. If you really sit back and study the verses here this morning, you're going to realize that there's a real problem. I mean, Jesus says, I'm not going to go for two days, and he doesn't go. And they want Mary and Martha, who he loved, they want anything more, nothing more than for Jesus to heal their brother Lazarus. And Jesus stays for two days, and Lazarus dies. And when he finally tells his disciples, they misunderstand it. They don't understand what's going on. He has to spell it out in plain English. He's dead, and I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there so that you may believe. It doesn't make sense. But then Thomas's response really kind of adds a zinger in there. Well, we might as well go with Jesus, and we'll die with him. You see, Jesus had been there, and I'll talk about this in a minute. He had been there a few days before at Bethany. And they were picking up stones to stone him when he was there. The disciples are saying, let's not go back there. Thomas says, who's going back? Let's get in line. We'll just all get stoned together. Have you ever sold Jesus short? What do I mean by that? Have you ever sold him short? Maybe you don't know just exactly how much Jesus can do. These disciples should have known by this point. They should have realized that Lazarus' death really wasn't that big of a deal, but they didn't get it. Let's just go back there and die with him. We'll just all get stoned. There was a time when Jesus went with his disciples out onto the Sea of Galilee. And as soon as they got on the Sea of Galilee, it's in Matthew chapter 8. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to read one verse from it. When he gets out on the storm, out of the sea, and the storm comes, you know the story, he calms the sea. And Jesus' disciples in the boat ask this question. What kind of a man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They're telling Jesus short. What kind of a man is this? Well, he's not like any other kind of man. He's the son of God. He's, he's far different. He's far more than anything you could ever imagine. In the book of Mark chapter 2, there's a story told of a man who was lame and is laying there. And Jesus comes along and looks at this man that lay, lays there. And he says to him, your sins are forgiven. And everybody in the crowd says this. Why is he speaking like that? Who can forgive sin but God alone? He's blaspheming. Remember what I just told you. They knew he was God. They knew that Jesus was God coming to flesh. They knew from before, before this that he was the I am that I am. He had stated that to them, but they were selling him short. And so when he says your sins are forgiven, they say, well, he's acting like God. They pick up stones to stone him because they're selling Jesus short. Jesus looks at the man immediately and says, take up your bed and walk. And it says he rose up immediately, picked up his bed, went before them all. They were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. I want you to stop and look at those two reactions. On one hand, we're going to pick up stones because he's forgiven sins. But on the other hand, we're going to glorify God because the lame man walked. We humans are really quite fickle beings. There's another place where he doubts 
in a desert place. They're listening to him preach, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, give these people something to eat. And the disciples look at Jesus and say, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? They're showing Jesus favor. Because you know the story, he feeds the 5,000. And here in the case of Lazarus, Lazarus, you see, Lazarus is dead. He's gonna, he, he died later on in the story. I read it to you. It's, it's going to be in the fourth point of this morning's message. The people ask this question. Couldn't he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? What are they doing? They're showing Jesus favor. If he was really God, Lazarus wouldn't have died. I mean, Mary, best friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he lets the guy chill over. He stays back there for two days, and when he finally does come, he comes because he's dead. He could have done this from there, and he didn't do that. I want you to look at what Martha says to Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Why do I want you to look at that? You see, Jesus, on his way there, Mary's sitting back at the house. Martha jumps up when she hears Jesus is coming. She runs out to meet him, and when she looks him in the face, she says to him, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You ever wonder how she said that? Did she say, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened? Or did she say, you, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened? Or did she say, just would have been here, this would have never happened. You can't really get it with the paper and the ink that we have, what she's saying. But I'll give you a hint. I think Martha's saying something that has to do with faith. It has to do deep down inside with something that Martha believes. Lord, if you would have been here, you could have gotten Lazarus out of whatever this sickness was, and we wouldn't have to be at this tomb crying. We wouldn't have to have these people at our house crying. Everything would have been okay because I know you could have done something about it. And I believe that's saying, but now he's dead. If you ever pray for something really important, if you've prayed for something really important in your life, raise your hand if you're willing to. We've all prayed for something important. Do you, do you ever have God say yes to a prayer? Doesn't that, make you, doesn't that make you happy when God says yes? Sometimes God says no. Maybe you're not as happy. Maybe God knows best and you don't. The one that really gets me is when Jesus says wait. Have you ever had God tell you you have to wait? Anticipation drives me crazy. <laughs> Wait. Years ago, the person that I call my pastor was standing in line at a grocery store. The line was backed up a little bit, and behind him came another friend of mine, Old Bill. At the time, Old Bill, sorry if old offends you, I'm old, don't be offended. Uh, old Bill was pushing 90. He lived just across from the grocery store, and old Bill got one bag of stuff, you know, just a little bit of stuff, and he's standing there. I can see him in my mind's eye right now. He wore this coat, 
he had this hat on his head, and he's standing there with his glasses hanging off the edge of his, his, his uh, nose, and he is actually, I'm sorry, I told that backwards, he is actually in front of the preacher. And the preacher gets in line behind Bill, and the preacher was always rambunctious. He was always moving, wanting to get going. He couldn't stand still, you know, and he's back there. He's looking around through the line. And, and, and Bill looks at him and says, you go ahead of me if you want. I've got all the time in the world. The preacher jumps in front of him, and as soon as he gets in front of him, he says, that's what she says. <laughs> if you're 90 years old waiting in the grocery store line and you just tried to be courteous to the town preacher, you don't want to hear that kind of thing. Sometimes we want to say to God, I don't have time to wait. I've been reading the Psalms a lot lately, and I want you to listen to, to three different things that the psalmist asked. They're single verses, but David wrote these words. Single verses. Tell me if you can identify with them. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Can you imagine praying that? have, haven't we? How, how long, Lord, do I have to wait? Is this ever going to end that I feel like you don't answer what I'm asking you? How long are you going to hide your face from me? There's another place where the psalmist wrote this, Psalm 69, verse 3, he says, I'm weary with crying. My throat is parched. My eyes have grown dim with waiting for God. And let me be sure that you understand what David wrote right there, what the psalmist is saying. He is saying, I have cried my eyes out. I have prayed so long to you about this that my throat hurts. And it's not just that my eyes have grown weary or, 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 or from being tired. My eyes have grown weary because I'm getting old. So I've prayed to where my throat hurts. I have prayed to where my eyes can't cry anymore. And you are still not answering me, God. When? Are you going to answer me? Then in Psalm 119, my eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? I bet most of us in this room have had something of that type of a prayer or a thought before in this service that, but why do we have to wait? Where are you? And in that context, I want you to think about Jesus. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Who does that? If your good friend, if your good friend hears that you're sick, or if you hear that your good friend's sick, don't good friends go to check on him? ever noticed that patience, you've heard the phrase patience is a virtue, right? It is until you're the one waiting, isn't it? Isn't that true? But virtue until you have to wait. Lazarus waited to the place of death. This whole business of waiting on Jesus, it's a challenge. 
Then look what happens when Jesus gets there. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said to them, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Now, what I want you to to get here before I go to the next verse, because there's one more verse I want you to see, is that everybody's crying. That whole notion of waiting. Listen, Lazarus has died. For all intents and purposes, what does that mean? Their prayers were not answered. They're crying now because of the pain. They're crying now because of the grief. They're crying now because someone they loved is lost. And everybody's crying. Mary's crying. Martha's crying. All of their friends are crying. Everybody's greatly troubled. And here comes Jesus, and it says he is moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And I want to say, then why didn't you come two days ago? But you've got to see the next verse. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Have you ever wept with Jesus? I I mean, think for a minute about why is Jesus weeping here. We, We know why everybody else is weeping. Lazarus lost his life. Mary and Martha lost their brother. The crowd lost their friend. Everybody here may have lost their faith, if they had any. Everybody here may have completely missed the point of the story. And here comes Jesus, and he weeps. You know what comes to my mind with this verse? And I, I, I say this knowing that this is prior to John 14. John 14 is a very comforting passage in the Gospel of John. Because there Jesus says things like this. It's necessary for you that I go away so that the Comforter may come and be with you. You hear that? It's absolutely imperative and necessary that I go away so the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will come. Anybody in here ever sing that old song, The Comforter Has Come? You ever heard that? Nobody? Great old song. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. We want God to comfort us. And Jesus shows up two days late. And oh my, we know from John 14 that he says, I'll not leave you, but I will come to you, and I will be with you forever. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus looked on the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Over and over again, we learn that Jesus is the compassionate one. So what's the deal with Lazarus? Maybe the reason Jesus is weeping for this crowd is because of their lack of faith. Remember what what Martha said? Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. I really want you to go deep on this thought for one minute. Martha hasn't lost her faith. Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But I know even now, if you say so, you can raise him up. That's what Martha said. You'd have been here, this wouldn't happen, but it's happened. All our prayers are shattered. All our hopes are gone. Lazarus is in the grave. He's been in there long enough that we had to put the stone over, and we're not going to roll it out because he stinks. Lord, I know that even if you say so right now, 
like the problem. Think about it. They all weeping. Remember that verse? Mary's weeping. The crowd's weeping. Jesus is going to weep with them. Why is Jesus weeping? Because he's going to miss Lazarus? I don't think. Why is Jesus weeping? Because he's touched by their grief? I don't think so. I think Jesus is weeping because after this long a time, nobody understands that it doesn't matter that he's in the grave. Because Jesus is God. So what happens? Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Scripture tells us that they rolled away the stone and Lazarus came out. And they took the bandages off his head and off his eyes. And everybody has seen who Jesus really is. In fact, if you were to look, you'd see in the 45th verse and, and know that this 45th verse isn't typically what we, we would have ended. The gospel writers ended that, that section of Scripture at the 44th verse. They call it pericopes. I don't want to throw big fancy words at you. But that pericope ends at the 44th verse. I gave you 45 for a reason. Because of what it says. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and saw what he did, believed in him. Go back to what Jesus said to Martha. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, You'd see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you before, Martha, if you just have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be removed and it'll be removed. Didn't I say to you, Martha, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me? Do you believe this? Martha, you said, if I'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. It happened. But even though it happened, it doesn't matter because I can wind back the clock or I can revive a dead man, whatever you want to do. Because I'm God. Martha, didn't I tell you that you have to believe and you'll see the glory of God? Listen, if you would, to the tail end of this passage. Jesus moved again, comes to the cave. It was a cave with a stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor. He's been dead four days. Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? They took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. I'm saying it for the people standing around that they may believe when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come out Lazarus came out his hands and feet bound with linen his face wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go many of the Jews who had come with Mary had seen what he had done and they believed in him I want you to listen again to that 40th verse didn't I tell you if you believed you'd see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you if you just had faith that you would really see something that would change your life? I'm about to give you my big point, the, uh, the bottom line. But before I get there, I'm going to state it to you. Probably, in the, probably what I'm going to say to you is going to be better than what I'm going to put on the screen. 
here. Let me say to you first what I'm trying to say. We work and work and work, don't we? Keep ourselves from what we think is the worst thing that's going to happen. We work and work and work to keep ourselves from that unknown last great enemy called death. We, we, we just, we will, we will financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically do all that we possibly can in our power to stave off that last great enemy. When Mary and Martha sent somebody to say to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, that was their point. We don't want him to die. So many of us spend our lives worried about that unknown thing called death. And the, the point is, here's the bottom line that I'm not going to put on the screen, but I'm going to tell you. The biggest miracle that God performs is not keeping us from death. It's raising us to life. The biggest miracle that God can perform in your life is not keeping you from that great unknown. The biggest miracle that God performs is raising you to life in him. And here's what I'll put on the screen. God's biggest miracle is not to protect us from the worst. His biggest miracle is that he gives us his best. Let me ask you a question. What's the worst thing that can happen? As I walked in here this morning, somebody said to me, they don't think this whole banking crisis is over. How many of you are worried about it? Don't raise your hand. You might have money in the bank. You might have your retirement account in the bank. You may be living off the last tail end of what you've got left of your retirement account. And things aren't looking good. Social Security is going to give you an 8 percent raise. But inflation looks like it's going to go up even higher yet. What's the worst that can happen? You know, in Mark's gospel, when they put Jesus on the cross, they drove the nails into his wrists. They put one down there through the lower part of his body. They lifted him up on that cross. All of the religious people said this. Mark 15 and verse 31. The chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, and they said he saved others, but he cannot save himself. You know what they were saying? He's going to die. <laughs> He's going to meet that last great enemy. And you know the, 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 the most miraculous thing Jesus could have done would have been to just hang there and watch those nails fall out onto the ground and him come down and say, ha, I win, right? That's not how it went. Go read the story sometime. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I thirst. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And Jesus is taken up finishing business because even Jesus knows he's going to die. Oh, the night before, sure, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, touch this cup from me, but nevertheless, thy will, not mine, be done. Jesus, you've heard this before, was born to die. And there's the priests and the scribes, and they're saying, you know, he saved so many people, but he can't save himself right now. You're going to die. You are going to die. know, a little bit over three days later, to 
disciples are hidden away in a room. And a guy named Thomas, remember, I mentioned him earlier, doubting Thomas, left in the room. They said to Thomas these words in John 20, verse 25, We have seen the Lord. And these are Thomas's words back. Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Pay attention to that. Why did Jesus wait two days? Why didn't Jesus stop Lazarus' death? Why did Jesus not answer their prayers for him to get better? Why did Jesus just wait out here seemingly uncaring? When he got there, he said, in fact, before he got there, he said to his disciples, this has happened so that you may believe. And he goes to the dead man's grave. And there's Mary and Martha. Lord, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't happen. He said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? You see, there's the problem, church. We often pray this time to put off the inevitable, don't we? We often live in that world where we think that Jesus is the mighty Santa Claus who's going to give us our little wish list verbatim how we hand it to him. Sometimes his ways, not sometimes, all the time, his ways are not our ways. And he surprises us. And the Jesus who could have taken himself down off the cross and never died did it because someone had to. And the someone was you and me. The someone was you and me. The God of the ages could have come down from that cross he loved you so much he stayed at home and when Thomas walks into the room and the other disciples say to him we have seen the Lord what's Thomas say I'll believe I still don't have faith unless I can touch it and feel it and know it for myself I will never believe you see God's biggest miracle, and I believe God's answer to prayer, is often not keeping us from the worst, but rather giving us his best. And the best that Jesus can give you, church, is his death upon the cross. You want to know how God loves you? Look at the cross and see the Savior hanging there with the blood pouring out of his body. That is God's love for us. But if you really want to know (laughs) what it's about, that in that you can have belief, you can have faith that the one who died will live again. You know what the problem with Lazarus is? Jesus raises Lazarus up, take the the blindfold off, take the the, the rags off, take the, the wrap off, and he opens up his eyes. And you know what happens when he takes them off? There stands the guy who didn't pay last month's rent with his hand out. There stands the guy that he borrowed money from last week with his hand out. There stands the neighbor who couldn't stand him because he owned more property over the property line than he was supposed to have. All of Lazarus' problems came back. But when Jesus rose from the dead, all of life's problems were gone. And that is why we place our faith 
than the one who went through the wilderness to give us the way. Amen.